great start. Worship's awesome. Kelly and Bernard praying. Just want to move your heart, Lord. That is so, so good. Bunch of smiling faces. Got a couple of blonde visitors, you know. That's first-timers or whatever. Some of you have heard about Mandy. Well, she's actually here today. So, uh, so praise God. <laughs> and Ray's got the back wall covered. <laughs> well, you're in for a treat today. Most of you know who this is, and some of you don't, and that's okay because he'll let you know before he leaves today that he's been here. Uh, that's for sure. He'll, he'll leave that deposit. He's got the uh, front end loader, the bucket's all full. He's going to dump it this morning, and it'll be good stuff. This is the Word of God is always good for us. Amen. Encourage. Reprove and rebuke. Encourage. Reprove and rebuke. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool. Uh, you see, I, I've been in three churches in the last year, and you've just been in 70. Is that all okay? Well, um, from sea to shining sea and then some. Those of you that were here last time he was here, and the men's breakfast yesterday was phenomenal in so many ways. And thank you, those of you that had a participation in setting that up and everything. Um, Pastor John George. And all the way from the Republic of Texas, he will be dropping something on you this morning. You're going to want to carry it out and let it uh, be sealed in you and let it grow and bring forth 30, 60, and 100 fold. Give it up, big Oklahoma howdy for John George. Thank all of you. We had a great time with the men yesterday. Hallelujah. And uh, I only had one regret, and, and you know, I, I don't have many regrets, but I had one regret yesterday that uh, when we did give the invitation that Brad did not get saved. And I, I know <laughs> I know his family's believing, pastors believing that there's going to be a transformation in his life. But uh, I got to be careful. He's he's running my sound right here, and you know, I gave him some scriptures to put up on the screen, but he could put something else up there. So uh, this is a test. This is a test of his mercy. We got some stuff back there on the on the uh, bar that you want to take advantage of. There's a T-shirt. You can see it on the mannequin or part of a mannequin. Uh, well, the beheaded mannequin. Um, do you want to take advantage of that? It's called Contending for Faith, taken from Jude 3, from which that's what we taught last year when we were here. Uh, shockingly, I was here in July. That seems like just a short time ago. In other ways, it seems like for me over a year ago, but it was seven months ago. But And how do I know it was July? Because it was typically Oklahoma oppressive heat. Uh, and uh, at least it wasn't Tulsa kind of heat, which is way more humid over there because they're lower altitude. But uh, I live out by Lubbock, so we're 3,500 feet above sea level, so we, we don't get that 
uh, humidity like you guys do here. You get Dallas weather here. Tulsa weather is different than Dallas weather because of the humidity, but, um, you know, the lower you get, the worse it gets. And I, you know, I lived in Houston. I went to University of Houston, and, and uh, I was there over five years. I never got used to it because it's, it's, the, it's the heat plus oppressive humidity. You take a shower, you dry off, you walk outside, you go back in the shower, you dry off, you go outside, you go back in the shower. It's really sad because it, you're, just, you're just wet all the time. But uh, it's great to be back here, Pastor, and it's a great opportunity to see all of you and, and be with you, and we're glad that you're here today. But there's no way in one service I can communicate everything I'd like to, even though I'm going to try really hard. Um, make sure that if you're a parent or grandparent that you get this mini book. This is not by me. This is by a friend of ours from Little Rock. And it's called Confessions for Raising Winning Kids. And this will really bless you. Over 50 scriptures with the confessions from the Word of God to speak over your children. Amen. So make sure that you take, take advantage of that. This is $3. I have to pay for these. So I, I don't give them out free, but I have to pay for them. But if you cannot afford $3 to buy this book, I will give you one. I'll pay for it. Now, if you go out of here... And you told, you told whoever's working the table, you told them or myself, I'll be there too. If you, I don't have the $3, can I have a book? But yet you go buy your $10 Starbucks. Amen. Amen. Ananias, I pray that you choke on your Starbucks. <laughs> and Sapphira, you won't do well either. So make sure that you take advantage of that. This is called kingdom authority. It's very important that you and I realize, number one, we have a king. Who is your king? Jesus. Jesus. Your king is not Joe Biden. You know, your king wasn't Donald Trump. Your king wasn't Ronald Reagan. Your king wasn't uh, Barack Obama. No, we have a king. His name is Jesus. Well, a king is not a king if he doesn't have a kingdom. So what are you the king of, Jesus? The word kingdom means domain of kings. And he is made unto us to be kings and priests. He's the king of kings. We're the kings. We're the kings. That's Revelation chapter 5. We're the kings. We're kings and priests unto God. We're not kings and priests unto each other. You don't rule over anybody else's life. Amen. And it's important that you understand that we're all kings. Now, well, you say, well, what if I'm a female? You're still a king. In other words, it's a position. It's not, it's not a gender. It's a position. So make sure that you take advantage of, of that and understand that, that you know, there's authority in every kingdom. Authority in every kingdom. So make sure that you have an understanding of the authority that you have in the kingdom of God. Amen. Somebody over here in this section like to have this? All right. If you snooze, you lose. <laughs> this is a companion series, and I'm not going to get into this today, even though it's going to sound like it. But this is called Your Identity Determines Your Authority. You know, you can identify with many, many, many things. 
You can identify with activities. You can identify with work. You can identify with, with jobs. You can identify with, with um, uh, events. You can identify with, with sports. You can identify with many, many things. But you can only have one identity. And your authority comes from your identity. It doesn't come from what you identify with. Your authority comes from your identity. What is your identity? Who you are, simply stated. I'm going to get more detailed in that today. But it's who you are. So you've got to make sure that who you are is not your vocation. In other words, it's more important to be who you are than what you do. You may be an excavator. You may be a mason. You may be a dental assistant. You may be a secretary. But that's really what you do. That's not who you are. Amen? Very important to see that. So your authority comes from who you are, not what you do. So I want to make sure that my identity is in Christ. Now, my dad was a professional rodeo cowboy. My dad was a horseman. He grew up on a horse. Grew up on a ranch in the Texas Panhandle. He grew up riding calves and then, and, then, and then steers and then bulls. He grew up wrestling and roping steers and calves. So it was natural that he became a rodeo cowboy. It's very easy for him, not, not hard. And he was a great athlete. He was a Marine in Korea. He was strong. He was strapping. He was skilled. And many people get in those environments and they try to have their identity as based upon their skills or their tools or their work or their events or their different time frames and periods of their life. And they waste decades trying to find out who they are. I'm getting into my message today now. Some of that is in here, but most of my message is not. Somebody over here like to have this. All right, ma'am at the back. Brother, can you give that to that lady? If you don't give it to her, she can come get it. It's an honor to be back here, Pastor. Thank you for the opportunity and to fill this pulpit and and uh, be with you and Pastor Dan didn't tell you we go way back we go back over 30 years I know we don't I mean that's pretty amazing since we're only 45 <laughs> but uh, but we go way back and uh, I value the relationship I have with your pastor he's a man of integrity a man of honor Amen. Thank you for enthusiasm. Please be seated. 
But it's important that you understand <clears throat> what we have going on today. Not every man of God is a man of honor. Any man can be a man of honor. Every man of God being a man under God, not just ministers, should be a man of honor. We're missing men of honor today. That's why we don't have teenagers of honor. A lot more quiet on that one. And it's important. If you want to find this out, all of you men and you ladies, Psalm 112. I'm not going to have you turn there, but write that down. Psalm 112 talks about the responsibility of men, who, who men are supposed to be, how men are supposed to conduct themselves. And it gives us protocols for blessing. How, how, how do I become blessed? How do my children become blessed? How, do my, how, do, how does the generation of the upright become blessed? How do, how do my children's children become blessed? My wife and I have two children. They have seven children. So I have, we have seven grandchildren, and they're all blessed. They're not blessed because I'm so smart, even though I'm still top five in Texas. I think I told you that in July. I'm still top five in Texas, but... My children aren't blessed, and my children's children aren't blessed because I'm smart. My children and my children's children are blessed because I follow the Word. I obey the Word because I honor God, and therefore God honors me and honors those under me. Come on. So see, if you'll, if you'll honor God, I mean, here's the principle Jesus said, if, seek him first, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all this stuff will follow you. In other words, blessing will follow you. Stop chasing blessing and start chasing Jesus. That's easy math. It's easy math. You know that in 2020 and 2021, we had the most blessed two years in the history of our marriage, the history of our ministry. Our marriage is 41 years this year. Ministry is 42 years. The history in the most difficult time in the natural that we've ever faced. But God blessed us and, and took us higher. So turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 8. And what I want to talk to you about today <clears throat> is your identity in Christ. Your identity in in Christ. I hope you can see this. Your identity in Christ. Why is this so why is this so important? Because it is the root. It is the foundation of your soul. Who you are, not what you do, who you are. Amen? 
Now look at this on the screen. This is the Amplified. You can, you can take time to read whatever you, version you like, but this is the Amplified. The reason I choose the Amplified a lot of times in, in ministering is because it goes into the Greek definitions that was originally recorded and written, and it pulls out those words and those definitions. So it says, for those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand. Don't you like that? God was aware of you before you were born. Come on. And he loved you before you were born. Come on, that's amazing. Nobody else did that. Your own parents didn't love you before you were born. For some of us, your parents didn't love you after you were born. Don't look around. Don't lift your hand. But you know that's true. So it says, he also destined from the beginning. Say destined from the beginning. So we, we, we talked about this with the men yesterday, but we're going to go further today, and we're going to, everybody's going to get this. Yesterday, I, 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 I had planned to teach something else, but the Lord said, no, I want you to, to teach some of this. We'll get into more detail today, a different way, different platform because the men, uh, we address some, some different things about manhood. But destined from the beginning. In other words, not from your beginning. You know, a lot of people don't plan for things until things happen. Well, that's too late. So God didn't have a destiny for you just when you got birthed or just when you were conceived. God had a destiny, destiny for you from the beginning. Not your beginning, but the beginning. That's incredible. And that's what this is referring to. Now, we don't know when the beginning was. It's not on a calendar. But the beginning is referring to the beginning of time, the beginning of God. God sees all things. The Bible says over and over, Old and New Testament, God knoweth all things. He's the only true know-it-all. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, you don't know it all. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I don't know it all. Turn to the person behind you and say, only God knows it all. So he's the only true know-it-all. Now, probably every one of us in this room at some time in our lives, school and, you know, neighborhood or, 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 you know, life, work, we've been accused of being a know-it-all. But nobody knows it all except God. So God has always known all things. I said this to the men yesterday. It's, uh, It's very important we understand this. In the spirit realm, there is no time. There's no clocks. There's no clocks. But I, I did have a vision one time of clocks in heaven. And when I got there, I was introduced to different ones, and I, I went through the gates, and I saw what I thought were clocks. That's the only thing I could relate it to. But each one of those clocks, the hands that were, were the same, they were the same length. They didn't have a shorter hand for the hour and a longer hand for the minute. 
and a, and a red one, a red one for the seconds. But the hands were the same length, and they were every clock. What you know was not identical, but it, it was a face. Of, I thought a clock, and the hands were moving at different speeds. <clears throat> and everywhere I went, you know, when you get to heaven, you know, and we read about this, you you see all kinds of different things <clears throat> that we relate to that we, you can see in the Word, but. As I was going through and getting the, the nickel tour, so to speak, the quick tour, I'm seeing these clocks everywhere. <clears throat> and I'm, you know, seeing relatives. Pastor Dan was there. Anybody glad of, of, of that? And so I asked him, I said, what, what, are, the, what are these, uh, again, clocks represent? He said, oh, those are not clocks. Those are not telling time. Those represent the amount of sin in your life on earth. You know, his, his, his was barely moving. Brad's was moving a little faster. But I, I asked somebody, hey, I know, I know Jeremy Campbell. I, I know he's got to be here. Where's his clock? And, and somebody said, oh, God got a little warm in the throne room of heaven. He needed it for a fan. But <clears throat> time is earthly. Time is not spiritual. Now God uses different time references for our benefit. That's not for his benefit. Do you know that Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour he's coming back? So Jesus is not Xing or checking off a calendar on the wall of heaven somewhere of what he's going through and you know he's getting down to the to the end of the end, of the end. No, 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 no. He doesn't know. So he's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's, what it, he's at the right hand of the Father ever making intercession for you. Come on. He's your high priest. He's doing his high priestly duties. Do you know one of those things is the tithe? If you look in Hebrews chapter 9, chapter 10, you see... You, you see Jesus' priestly duties, high priestly duties, he is in heaven. He is on the same order of priesthood as Melchizedek from Genesis. We don't know a lot about Melchizedek, but we do know that there was no beginning and there's no end. There's no genealogy about Melchizedek. I think he was Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't just exist on December 25th in the manger in Bethlehem. Jesus has always been. What do you mean he's always been? Well, we just read from the beginning. He's always been there from the beginning. He's, he's part of the Godhead. So he, he's not just a baby in a manger. So his duties now, when he, when he ascended to heaven, he became 
our high priest. Actually became a high priest before that, but he's ultimately the high priest of the church. In other words, what does a high priest do? A high priest goes before God on behalf of the people. That's why you don't need a priest on earth today. Pastor Dan does not go to God on your behalf. Jesus goes to God on your behalf. That's why Jesus said in the Gospels, in that day you shall ask me nothing, but you pray to the Father in my name that he may give it you. In other words, you go through the name of Jesus to get to God. In other words, you and I cannot have a relationship with God without Jesus in between. Come on, somebody. Now, I know you're well taught here, and I'm not going to get into all those issues and all those things, but that's what he's talking about. He is our high priest. Now, that doesn't mean that Pastor Dan doesn't have responsibility over you as a flock. He's not the chief shepherd. He's an under-shepherd of Christ. He has responsibilities as a shepherd over the sheep of this house. You know that the sheep of this house are not just the ones that attend here? But it's the sheep that belong here. The sheep that God has called here. And when he prays in the Holy Ghost and prays in the Spirit, part of what he's praying for are all the sheep that not, are not only present, but those who are not present. Those who are supposed to be here and will be here in the future. As the priest of this house. But Jesus is our high priest. And the order of Melchizedek, what did the high priest do? The high priest went to God on behalf of the people. And what did he also do? He received the tithe and conferred a blessing upon the people. That's what your high priest does. That's what Jesus still does. You pay your tithes to Jesus. You don't pay your tithes to Pastor Dan or Church of Tomorrow. You're paying your tithes to Jesus. And he's very aware if you're a tither or not. And your tithe doesn't belong to Brother Doodad on TV. Doesn't belong to Sister Two Purses. Your tithe belongs to the storehouse. Your storehouse is a barn. It doesn't have wheels or wings. Have you ever seen a barn on wheels or wings? I haven't. I live in the number one ag producing county in the state of Texas. I, I travel all over the Midwest with big ag, ag, ag country. And I've never seen a barn on wheels. I've seen some really funky things on wheels that I had to ask, what, 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 what is that? And a lot of people didn't even know what that was. I don't know what that was. But I know what a lot of things are, and I know barns don't have wheels. I know barns don't have wings. It's a storehouse. What does that represent? The place from where you're regularly fed. Come on. Well, I just love Joyce Meyer. Well, that's wonderful. But Joyce Meyer ain't going to come bury your family. Joyce Meyer ain't going to come visit you in the hospital. Well, I just don't love Joyce Meyer as much, but I love Brother Doodad. I just love Brother Doodad. I just love him so much. He just feeds me. He's not coming to your house either. He's not going to know the names of your children. Come on. 
He's not going to know. He's not going to know what, what, what's going on in your marriage. Are you hearing me? So the storehouse is the place from which you're regularly fed, and you're, you're worshiping God. You're worshiping Jesus with your tithe. So the tithe doesn't belong to a traveling minister. And remember the Italian prophet Malachi? Otherwise known as Malachi? <clears throat> he says, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if we're not giving tithes and offerings, we're robbing God. Now what are we robbing God of? Because God doesn't need your money. What are we robbing God of? We're robbing God of an opportunity to multiply your seed sown, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, to multiply your seed sown and pour you out a blessing. There's, there's Malachi again. Pour you out a blessing. You'll not have room enough to receive. You're robbing God of pouring you out a blessing. Amen. Well, I can't afford to tithe. Well, you're tithing to the state when you buy those lottery tickets. How am I doing on the outline you sent me this morning? <laughs> By the way, I was, I was a Tulsan. I was a transplant. I was a missionary to Oklahoma for over 20 years. When they passed the state lottery here in Oklahoma, you know what their promises were? We're going to make better schools. We're going to pay our teachers better. How's that working? That's what they said in Texas, too, and this, they don't do it. They lie. They lie. They lie. Everybody has always known historically that the lottery is a tax on the poor. That's what it's called, tax on the poor. And those poor people think they're going to win the big one. And they come to pastors like Pastor Dan and myself. They come, well, Pastor, when I win the big one, I'm going to build a new building for the church. And we're going to buy some new land. We're going to buy some vans. And we're going to buy all kinds of stuff. We're going to build a children's wing. And I'm going to start tithing then. No, you won't. If you don't tithe with $5, you're not not, going to tithe with $55,000. Nobody asked me to say these things. The Holy Spirit's talking to, to somebody. You know that 89% of all lottery winners, that, 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 there's, a lot, there's a state lottery association. All the states that have lotteries, which is most of them now, they have an association, and they do studies. They, do, they, they pay this, the, these groups to do studies on them, and they have found out that 89% of all lottery winners lose it all in five years. Why? Because, listen to me carefully. I said something about this yesterday in a different way, but I want to say it again. Everything in the world is first and foremost spiritual. Prosperity is spiritual first. Poverty is spiritual first. And you can... You can win the lottery, but that doesn't make you prosperous. What makes you prosperous is your soul. 3 John 2. Beloved, I pray above all things thou mayest prosper. 
and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Prosperity comes from God. It doesn't come from the lottery. Prosperity comes from God. It doesn't come from your job. My preaching is better than your shouting. It's first and foremost spiritual. That's why you need church. That's why you need a, a man of God speaking in your life. That's why you need to be submitted to a man of God. Because the word says when you're submitted under God's order and God's system, you will prosper. That's why Psalm 112 is so important. Psalm 112 was written to men, written to husbands, written to fathers. Now listen, I didn't grow up wealthy. I didn't grow up middle income. I grew up in the hood. I grew up poor. There was no lottery then, but my mom always had money for cigarettes and booze, and today it would be lottery tickets. Poor people always have enough money for their cigarettes, their chew, their booze, their lottery tickets. Men that are poor always have enough money for their cigarettes, their booze, their lottery tickets, and their sex books. Come on. In other words, people always have enough money for what they want to do. My preaching is better than your shouting. We'll pray for toes at the end of the service. Now, none of you would be that foolish. But it's important for you to know these truths. These are truths in the Word of God. You want to be prosperous? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and you'll be prosperous. Put God first in all that you do, including your money. Your, your tithe is the first fruits. And the Bible says in Proverbs that we're to honor him with the first fruits of all of our increase. Not after stuff is left over, but the first fruits of all of our increase. Come on, somebody. I tithe off my birthday money. Now, let me tell you how good this is. When my wife and I were married in 1981, We came together as one. We were both already tithers. We hadn't been, she hadn't been saved all that long. I'd been saved a little longer. And we committed, we came together. The Bible says one can put a thousand flight, two can put ten thousand flight. That's why the devil's so against marriage, because a marriage of holy matrimony is a spiritual force. Some of you didn't know Pastor's wife Teresa. I knew Pastor's wife. And she was a powerhouse. And when they came together, what year were y'all married? 68. 1968. Many of y'all hadn't discovered America by 1968. But they grew up together, and I know his story, and and they came together and they became a powerhouse because they became a team. And she was a helpmeet to him and helped him tremendously, like my wife helped me tremendously. But he was also her covering. Every time you meet an obnoxious woman, look straight ahead now, look straight ahead. 
Every time you hear or meet an obnoxious woman, you know what that's a sign of? Her husband, or there's no man covering her life, spiritually. And that's why she's loud and proud. Why? Because she's trying to be something that her husband should be to her. So unfortunately, many times, and I'm not saying it's just, it's just for wives, it's just for single women too. But the reason single women are obnoxious is because they don't have a spiritual covering over them. That's supposed to be your daddy in the beginning. Not your boyfriend. Your daddy. See, the devil knows this, and that's why he, he and we talked extensively to the men yesterday about it, that that's why the devil attacks the home. Because the home is the spiritual force. Holy matrimony, when you come together, it's not twice as strong. Two can put, how many to flight? Ten, 10,000. One can put 1,000. Two can put 10,000. A holy matrimony, a marriage, is not twice as strong. It's 10 times as strong in the spirit realm. That's why the devil's after marriage. That's why the devil's trying to trying to redefine marriage but you don't get to redefine something you didn't create and he can try to redefine it all he wants to but he's going to fail why and they're going to fail think about it aren't you afraid the gays are going to take over america nope because genesis 1 doesn't say that the male and she male will have dominion says the male and the female will have dominion and will be blessed and replenish the earth. Last time I checked, two guys can't replenish nothing. Two girls can't replenish anything. Hello? Better not get me started on all that. Well, that's so politically incorrect. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's a compliment. Jesus was very PC. No, he was very un-PC. He was not politically correct. So back, back to what I was saying. When we got married in 1981, you, you forgot where I was, right? Well, I didn't forget where I was. Back in 81 when we got married, we, we were already tithers, but we made a declaration right then, we're going to join together and we're going to start giving 15%. A tenth, by the way, tithe means 10. A lot of people say, well, Pastor, I'm just not led to tithe. You don't need to be led. You just need to know how to count to 10. And if you're mission to digit up here, pull a shoe off and, you know, count to 10. If you're missing the digit. But it's important that we understand Tithe means tenth. I'm supposed to give a tenth of my increase to the Lord, to the storehouse. So a tenth is just the minimum. So we gave 15%. And God began to bless us over and above, over and above, over and above. We work for a, a church 
in Tulsa, married, two children, have a mortgage, and our salary was only $1,500 a month. That wasn't much money. Even in, even in the 80s, that wasn't much money. But we always had a, a good vehicle, then two good vehicles. My wife didn't work outside the home. God bless us over and again. And we had other staff members that were associates. I was a youth pastor and, and had all kinds of other duties. And the other staff were, man, you must, you must be getting paid big bucks. I said, absolutely. Why? Because I'm not going to limit God. I'm not going to say with my death and life from the power of the tongue. Come on. Poverty and blessing are in the power of the tongue. Use your mouth right. Come on. Your words are powerful. There's a series about that. The power of your words right back there. And every guest minister has a series on the power of words, but that's the best one. <laughs> so we said we're, we're going to give 15%. We're going we're to increase that as we're led. We're going to in, increase that. We're at 40% now. We give 40% of all that comes in our hands. And we're more blessed than we've ever, ever been in our lives. Our children are blessed because of that, because we're tithers. Why? Because God can trust us. We give away thousands of dollars to ministries every month, to projects, to Israel, to missions. We've helped print materials for leaders and pastors in Lebanon, Syria. Come on, these are hotbeds of chaos. Egypt, Pakistan, Iran, Iran, come on, China. And I have those printed materials in those native languages. I have them in, in my bookcase. And I get letters and emails from those pastors and pictures when they receive those materials. So grateful. And they're reaching people, a lot of people. Come on, somebody. And because I'm doing that, God can trust me with more finances because he knows I'm not going to go live in a mansion somewhere. Come on. There's nothing wrong with living comfortably, but I don't, you know, I don't need an umpteen-story place. I don't, need, I, don't, I don't need seven bathrooms. Even though I, when our grandkids are there, sometimes we do need seven bathrooms. <laughs> But they can learn to take turns. But it's important. We've actually downsized. We live in a two-bedroom house. So we don't, we don't consume stuff upon ourselves. We give it away. And God can trust you when you give it away. And all of our needs have been met for years and years. We've been debt-free for 30 years, completely debt-free. And debt-free is nice. It's really nice. Now, we were, we were stupid with credit cards early on because we thought, you know, well, we need this, we need that, we need this. We were stupid, and we had to repent. And then it was hard to get out of that. 
You're just paying minimum payments, you'll never, you'll never pay it off. Now, that's a different seminar. I'm not bragging on me and how smart I am. I'm bragging on the Word and how smart the Word is and how smart God is. Now, let me, let me, let me throw something in here. Let's, let's talk about this just for a minute. All of us that are licensed drivers, we have one of these. Well, actually, you don't have one of these Texas ones. It's a, it's a better one. But what do they commonly refer to this? When I, when I go in an airport, I have to have one of these to fly. To fl- to f- I, I flew here, and I have to have one of these. It's called a what? ID. You know, and your ID can uh, be a passport. It can be uh, a driver's license like this. It can be any other documents. An ID could be your birth certificate. It could be any number of things. But ID stands for identification. But all this is is representative of of your name, your address, and what you're registered for and with and what organization within your state or your nation. This does not communicate who you are. It communicates what you look like, where you live, right? And then maybe some particular legal data when they look it up after the red and blue lights have shined in your window, right? So, this is not my identity. This is my identification. So this does not identify who I am. It identifies where I live. It identifies what my birth date is, right? It identifies when it expires. It identifies, you know, if there's any restrictions on me, eyesight or, you know, physical or whatever. This also identifies here that uh, if they find me somewhere and I'm deceased, that means I'm no longer on earth, that they can take my organs and, and give them away. Now, you know, that's your choice. That's, not, that's each of our choices. But that's, this is not my identity. This is not who I am. All this t- talks about and reveals is my, where my earth suit's from and where it lives. Right? Let's, let's go back to this verse in Romans 8. You didn't know all that was in the destined from the beginning, did you? foreordaining them to be molded into the image of his son. God created you and me before the earth was ever created. He created us in the spirit realm, and we are created in the spirit realm to be molded, or the King James says, conformed to the image of Christ. Not to the image of MJ, Not to the image of John Wayne, 
You know, when I was growing up, yesterday afternoon I went to the National Cowboy Museum for about an hour just to walk around. There's a picture of my dad in there. My dad's a board member for many, 25 years there. Again, he's, he's all cowboy. Many of the people there, my dad was in all kinds of movies with John Wayne and Buck Taylor, you know, that was in Gunsmoke and, and a lot of other movies later. Audie Murphy, he, pictures of him over there. Roy Rogers, the king of the cowboys. My brother and I have pictures with Roy Rogers and Dale Evans and, and Gene Autry, you know, you know he's, he's Okie, did you know that? So Gene Autry, uh, he's all through the museum. Uh, my brother and I have a picture, picture with us, with him, and, um, you know, because we're rodeo kids. Um, you, uh, you can hear Reba McIntyre's voice narrating films and different things in there, and uh, when we were boys, uh, our dad rodeoed. When we were little boys, our dad rodeoed with a roper named Clark McIntyre, which was Reba's dad from Atoka, Oklahoma. And actually, they're from Kiowa. Uh, <laughs> Atoka is a metropolis compared to Kiowa. But, um, but <clears throat> so we ran around with Reba, and, 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 and you know, uh, my dad was a, a compatriot and a, and, a, and a competitor with, with uh, you know, the original champion cowboy from Henrietta before, before uh, uh, Troy Aikman grew up and was even born. The, the most famous world champion cowboy was Jim Shoulders, born in Tulsa but lived in Henrietta for many, many years. And so the Shoulders boys, one of them's my brother's age and one of them's my age, so we grew up with them. Uh, the Shoulders' daughter goes to my brother's church in Tulsa, so we're, we're very very connected to the cowboy life, and that's, that's part of why Gospel Bill came, came in effect, because we grew up cowboys, and uh, Gospel Bill's name was Bill Gunter, Sheriff Bill Gunter. Um, well, the first sheriff of Wheeler County, Texas, his name was William Gunter, who was our great-great-grandfather. So it's very, it's very organic how we grew up in that environment, and you know, start doing cowboy shows and those kinds of things. I built a lot of the sets for the TV shows and, and, and the, the road shows and those kinds of things. Uh, and I was in several, several editions uh, and then helped start uh, the, the youth part, Fire by Night. And some of you are aware of this and some of you aren't. But my, my point is, I identify with cowboys. I identify with those kinds of things growing up. My dad, in, in one movie, was in, the, it's called The Great Sioux Massacre. My brother and I have a picture of it. He's playing an Indian, which he was part Cherokee, so he, he could look like an Indian, but he's riding bareback, and he's shooting the last arrow with a bow and arrow at Custer in the movie Great Sioux Massacre that was made and filmed at Old Tucson Studios, which is now closed, but it made hundreds, they made hundreds of movies there. And so we, we have that photograph, that still photograph of him doing that in that movie. And so we, in that movie and most of these other movies we're talking about, McClintock with John Wayne, he was not only a cowboy, he was also an Indian because he was such a horseman. 
Now, he was never a star, although I walked, walked in uh, one afternoon at home, and my wife had, had stopped a, uh, the TV on the DVR of a movie with Audie Murphy, and I said, why do you have this stopped? And I looked a little closer. I went, oh, my goodness. She says, that's got to be your dad. I said, yeah, that's my dad. It's called Arizona Raiders. And he was a, a closer companion there with Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy was the, still is the most decorated American soldier in the history of the United States. Little old Greenville, Texas kid. Little bitty guy. Said he'd never amount to anything. Became a great war hero, Congressional Medal of Honor, the whole thing. Just phenomenal. But my, my point is this. I identify with all of that. But that's not my identity. Because none of that created me. I relate to it because I participated in it. I was around it. When I was a little kid, everybody wanted to be a, either a cowboy, a policeman, or a fireman. And that's not just the guys. The girls wanted to be that. I mean... That museum's full of cow, cowgirls, hundreds and hundreds of them. And I saw that growing up, and it, that was like a hero because Roy Rogers, and that's what was on television. That's what was in the movies, and they were clean, actually, actually clean stuff, moral, married people. Come on. And they elevated, they elevated the family unit, they elevated marriage. And then later Hollywood got involved and they, they made uh, men and husbands buffoons, imbeciles, doofuses. Come on. Right? National Lampoon's vacation and Vegas vacation. I mean, Chevy Chase, is, he's, the, he's the key buffoon. I mean, he's just a t total imbecile in those movies. Yeah, it's funny, but he's an imbecile. They, they belittled the dad. Oh, dad. <clears throat> and they, they elevate first show, they elevate Christy Brinkley drives by and then he ends up in a pool with her. They elevate that adultery. They elevate that. Like all men are not like that. All men are not like that. However, Hollywood often says that we, we, just, we just reflect society. We don't impress upon society. That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't have time to go into all that. We better get back to this verse. I've got about eight more references, but I won't get to them. But look at this. We're supposed to be molded to the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness. So we're supposed to be like him. Not be like Mike. We're supposed to be like Christ. Amen. I wanted to be like Roy Rogers when I was a little boy, but thank God I didn't become little, little John Rogers. That he might become the firstborn among many brethren. Next, let's go to the next screen, please. Verse 30 says, 
For those whom he thus foreordained, he also called, and those he called, he justified, he acquitted, made righteous, putting them into right standing with himself. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them the heavenly dignity and the condition or state of being. What shall we then, or what shall we, what then shall we say to all this? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? What did he just say? He just said, when we're like Christ and we're molded in the image of Christ, when we chase Jesus, nobody can defeat us. Nothing can defeat us. That's what Jesus said to the 70 disciples after he told them in Luke uh, chapter 10 to go out, heal the sick, cast out devils, win the lost. And they came back and they said, Jesus. The Bible says they were shouting. They were joyous. They were shouting, even the devils are subject unto us by your name. And Jesus said, what? Really? No, he didn't say that. He said, hey, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. In other words, I was there when the devil got booted out of heaven and was defeated. Hallelujah. And you've been given power over him. And it said, nothing shall by any means hurt you is what he said next. Nothing. Because you've built and been molded by the image of Christ, not the image of Hollywood, not the image of L.A., not the image of New York, not the image of OKC, not the image of your mama or your grandmama, but the image of Christ. <coughs> when somebody says, oh, you're just like your daddy, I want to hit him. My dad was an adulterer. And just because my dad was an adulterer doesn't mean I have to be an adulterer. My dad was a, a, a deadbeat dad, never sent child support from the time I was four years old. Never paid child support. So we had to live in the hood. We had no car, no phone, no TV. Can you imagine a young person no TV today and no phone today? They'd have a coronary. We didn't have anything. That's why we had to live in, in, the, in the hood in the projects because our dad didn't pay child support. And he bounced around and he evaded, he purposely evaded and moved around all the time. And all he had was a P.O. box. He never listed an address. Where when laws were passed for child support, they couldn't find him because all he had was a P.O. box. And my dad died broke even after winning and earning millions of dollars, my dad died broke after 10 years of Alzheimer's. Even though his homeland on the George Ranch was still in existence, has 18 oil and gas wells on it, my dad died broke. Why? Because he didn't do what I'm teaching you today. He was not conformed to the image of Christ. He was conformed to the image of cowboy or whatever. Gambling man. Selling pastor yesterday, he was given, he was given gold nugget rings with, with 
diamond horseshoe, big honking thing. Just the gold nugget ring today. Yeah, I, uh, 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 gold hit $1,900 an ounce this week. And that would have been several ounces. This massive gold nugget ring and a diamond horseshoe. And I said, Dad, where'd you get that? And he said, oh, uh, Binion's Golden Horseshoe Casino gave that to me. And I was a teenager at the time, not living with him, just visiting him. And I was smart enough to tell him, Dad, they don't give away free gold nugget rings with diamond horseshoes on them. He's losing. And he and my stepmom lost umpteen hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, gambling, either at Vegas or Shreveport, Bossier City, or Lake Charles, Louisiana, because they lived in Houston. And, and my point is, my point is this. I don't know your family, but I know mine really well. And I promise you, I got just as many fruits, flakes, and nuts in my orchard than, as you do. <laughs> my family tree's got a lot of messed up people in it. Now watch this. Let's, let's look at, let's look at, guys, let's, let's skip down. This, is this helping anybody yet? Let, let's, let's turn down to, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. King James says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, any person be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It says in the, in the Amplified, Therefore, if any person, so it's not just, it's not gender specific, it's gender generic. If any person, man or, male or female, is engrafted into Christ, well, this is something different. Engrafted is far better definition than in Christ. Most people don't know what in Christ means. Engrafted into my Christ means you've been merged into. Like I said, I live in the number one ag producing county in the state of Texas. Every major Texas university, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, University of Texas, on and on and on, they all have a presence in our county. They have a, an agricultural science research center in our county. And they have greenhouses. And they're studying the different crops. And they're trying to design drought-resistant, bug-resistant, different kinds of crops. Higher yield, with less water, that kind of stuff. And they're studying this constantly. And what they're doing is to create these hybrid plants, they have to engraft them. In other words, they have to take a stem of one plant, cut into another plant, join that stem with this plant, because this plant has good, good results in this area, but this one has good results in this other area. And if we could graft them together, they'll have good results in all these areas, right? And the Lord showed me something about this years ago. There is no grafting without first a wounding. In other words, you don't take these plants and just set them side by side. They're not going to graft. You have to cut into one and join the other one into it. 
How many know what I'm talking about? We learned this in sixth grade science when I grew up. I know Pastor Dan, he, he, I don't think he made it to the sixth grade over in Ponca City, but I'm kidding. I get the mic last. He, that's right, he gets the mic last is what he said. Well, see, he started it yesterday when he introduced me, so. So, when I saw that, the Lord spoke to me. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We are engrafted into his wounding. Without him being crucified, without him being whipped, without him being bitten, without, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, beaten, without him being speared, without him being cut, we couldn't be healed. We couldn't be saved. We couldn't be in him. We, could, we couldn't have him. But because of his wounding, we are engrafted into him. That's why this terminology is used. He was, we were in, we've been engrafted into him. Now let me add this to you. Think, think, now think along that line. Jesus says in the Gospels, it's listed three times, I am the vine, you are the Think of that in regard to grafting. He's the root. That's the vine. He's the root. We are the branches. Everything that's in the root is in the branches. So when you and I got born again, we became new creations. We became new creature altogether. We became a new species is actually the Greek word used. We became a new species altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual conditions passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. What happened? We became a whole new species. We became that spirit being, but alive unto him. We were born a spirit being in the spirit. But when we got born again, we became alive. It says quickened unto him. We've been made alive unto him. Hallelujah. That's what quickened means. We, he quickened us. He quickened our mortal bodies even. And everything that's in Christ is now in you. Everything not in Christ has no authority over your life. There's no fear in Christ, is there? Well, then it shouldn't be in you. And it has no authority over your life. You tell it where to get off. You tell it where to go. You tell it to get behind you. God's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Second, second, uh, uh, um, second Timothy 1.7. So, everything in him is now in me. That's why the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ. Not going to get it. See, and this is what your fleshly, flaky, funky religious friends say. That when we get to heaven, we're going to get all this stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I am come that you might have the life that I have. Come on. And that's what this is saying. We have the life that he has. I don't fear the devil. The devil fears me. The devil fears you. 
That's why it's so bad for parents to say, the, the devil's going to get you, the boogeyman's going to get you. No, 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 no. You don't build that identity into your children. God lives on the inside of us who are born again, and we have his nature. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now listen to me carefully, and I'm winding this down. Listen to me carefully. No agent, no entity has the right to give you identity except your creator. And that's Jesus. You know that the word created you. Who is the word? In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. The word was God. Who was the word? Jesus is the word. He's the word made flesh. Come on. He's the word made flesh. It was Jesus who was your creator. When God spoke the word, that means Jesus. Jesus was going forth creating things. Jesus is the creator of the universe. Jesus became that. The Father is overseeing it. The Father is orchestrating that. He's the conductor of the whole thing. But Jesus is the word. So when God spoke the word, Jesus went forth and made stuff. Jesus made the light. Jesus made the stars. Jesus made the firmament. Jesus made the oceans. Jesus made this dirt ball. Jesus made you and he lives on the inside of you he's the only one that has a, the proper authority and right to live on the inside of you come on somebody and he's on the inside of you as a believer how many of you are born again lift your hand high don't be ashamed of it all right put your hands down just in case your right guard didn't work all right no everybody looks good and smells good praise God turn to your neighbor and say you cleaned up good today But as a born-again believer, these things are in you. But the devil works overtime at trying to belittle you and belittle who God is in you. And he even uses your family, even uses your fleshly, flaky, funky friends to tell you otherwise. That's the devil. He's trying to influence you otherwise. Come on. Now let me let me cut to the chase. And because I, I wrote this down because I can't remember all of it. The cry of the human spirit is to know his true identity. And that's what happens. And I, I didn't use this with the men yesterday, but uh, we, we did a podcast with Pastor, and I was reminded of this. This is this is this is the mistake we make. And the world uses this. You know, the self-help gurus use this, and I copied it. And I set my two children down one day after our devotions in our living room in Broken Arrow. And I said, they were still small, you can be anything you want to be. That sounded real good. Sound real spiritual. And I got to check immediately my spirit. And this is what the Lord Jesus told me. You didn't make them. You have no right to tell them that. Now listen to me. There's no such thing as a self-made man, self-made woman. No such thing. It's impossible. God made you. And you're either conformed to the image of Christ or you're conformed to the image of the world. Those are the only two things, and it says that clearly in Ephesians chapter 2, if you'll read Ephesians chapter 2. Actually, if you just start in table of contents and read through maps, you'll see it all. You'll just, you'll just see it all. 
It's all there. But listen, listen, listen carefully. This is what he told me. You have no right to say that to your children because you did not make them. I made them. And they can, they can decide what they want to be, but it will be something far different than what I created them to be. So no longer tell your children they can decide what they want to be. Tell them to discover who I made them to be. Now I, now that I went to university, my wife went to university. We're graduates. Today you can have a college degree. You can even have a PhD. Now in West Texas that means post hole digger, but. It, it literally means doctor of philosophy in any, I, I, my wife has some uncles that they each have three PhDs. You can have a PhD in different areas and different, different uh, uh, subjects. You know people, I know people that have degrees and no jobs. They have a diploma and no jobs, but they got lots of debt. Or worse, they've got a job, but they hate it. Or they went to school to get educated because about their family's business because their family wants them to take over the family business, and yet they hate it. That's not what they're called to do, not what they're equipped to do. That's just what they were encouraged to do, and they're miserable. Why? Because they decided, or their parents decided, and they yet did not discover what God made them to be. They just chose what their parents wanted them to be. Happens all the time. And they're miserable. Some of you are sitting in this room. What you're doing, you're miserable. Now here's my point. I'm not, I'm not saying that to beat you up or to condemn you. I'm saying that because it's real and I'm trying to help you get out of that. We say I'm already 40. Smith Wigglesworth was in his 50s when God called him to the ministry. He raised 29 people from the dead. So there's hope for you. That doesn't mean you're going to be a minister. I'm just saying God can change your direction, and when it's of him, it will be blessed. It's already blessed. And see, this is the mistake we make. We do whatever we want to do, and I may have shared this last time. We go wherever we want to go. We say, and we hang out with whoever we want to hang out with, say anything we want to, want to say. And I mean, we're, I mean, we're just all kinds of things. We're just doing all kinds of things, doing whatever we want, but we're really not encouraged with it. We really are not uh, comfortable with it. So we just start becoming something totally different. And we just, well, well what do you do? I'm, maybe I'll try what you're doing. And are you happy with what you're doing? Maybe I want to do that. And maybe I want to go over there. And I read this in the magazine. Or at 3 a.m. I was listening to Tony Robbins. And he said I could be all I can be. And I can do this for 
19 easy payments of $59.95, I can get his manuals and I can reinvent myself and I can become something else. And the whole time you're miserable. This is what happens. We're doing our own thing and doing all that stuff and we ask God to bless it. There's an old saying in West Texas, I know Oklahoma understands too. That's bass backwards. That's completely backwards. When God says, if you follow me and you chase me, my ways are higher than your ways, and they're already blessed. You don't have to pray and ask God to bless what he's already blessed. It's already blessed because he, he formed it, and all you've got to do is discover it. So your identity is not found in what you do. Your identity is found in what he made you to be. And I love your pastor dearly. He's a friend. He's a real friend. And he's brilliant. But even your pastor can't give you destiny. Your pastor can't give you fulfillment. Only who you are in Christ can give you that. And that's what you need to chase. That's what you need to discover who you are in him. Now listen to me. I said this earlier. You can waste, most young people waste their whole youth and young adult years chasing something that's not who they are. And the devil offers counterfeits Cheap substitutes. And people buy into it. Why? Because they don't know who they are. At least twice a month, I text five of my seven grandkids. Two of them are six and three. They don't have phones. They use mama's phone and daddy's phone, but they, and they know how to use phones because we'll get, we'll get uh, FaceTime with them all the time, and, and they've grabbed mom or dad's phone, and they FaceTime Papa John and Nana because we live 400 miles away. But this is, this is what I texted my five others just last week because I'm, I'm digging into this identity process and this is what the Lord had me say to them and I'm going to say it to you your identity in Christ is the greatest thing that you can have never waste time chasing the cheap substitutes that the devil offers My two oldest grandsons were in the military. The oldest is Air Force. The second one's Marines. 
told the guys yesterday, he's stationed, he, he went to M MCRD, Marine Corps base in San Diego. That's where his boot was. He was stationed at Camp Pendleton. He's trained all over the West. But last year, he was deployed to Okinawa. For three months, we didn't know where he was. You know, we assumed he was doing things, and I, I can't tell you everything he was doing. I know what he was doing, but I can't tell you or I'd have to kill you. I'm kidding, but I, I really can't tell you. But he was pulled off that duty, and it was combat. And it's not made the news, and it won't, because the Chinese are involved. We don't want to do anything to offend the Chinese. Okay. I'm John George and I approve this message. I'm just <laughs> Let me tell you something. What goes on in Washington, by the time you and I hear it, doesn't matter which side of the aisle it is, it's not true. It's covered up, it's twisted. It's tainted. Hello. If you're getting your news from the media and then you're repeating all that, it's not wisdom. Anybody remember what happened last August in Kabul, Afghanistan? Anybody? We evacuated in just a few weeks what should have been happening for nine months, almost nine months. We left $85 billion worth of military armament, equipment, weapons, 60,000. The first thing I saw on the television when I walked in and my wife had it had it muted, the first thing I saw when the Taliban were holding up weapons, I said, honey, pause that. She didn't recognize it. I said, the weapons you see right there when they moved into Kabul, the weapons you see right there, that's not AK-47s. That, that's not Chinese-made. Those are M4s. Those are American weapons. High-tech American weapons. Oh, the over... $3,900 of technology in one of those weapons. Not all of our military are carrying one M4s. Just certain groups, it's usually the Marines. And they've got our weapons. They've got millions of bullets, aircraft. Why couldn't you have flown the aircraft off the base? I'm talking about Bagram. $85 billion of equipment, aircraft, tanks, grenade launchers, bombs. Now listen to me. Marines were called in, including my grandson. 
to evacuate all those people. We didn't know he was there. We didn't know where he was for three months. But on that day when 13 soldiers died from the explosion, Eleven were Marines. There was Army. There was a Navy medic, a corpsman. Eleven were Marines. Five of them were from, from my grandson's platoon. He's the platoon leader. They trained together. They were brothers. Their remains were prepared immediately put into a C-17, flown overnight to Dover, Delaware Air Force Base, where my oldest grandson was on duty as an air traffic controller, knowing that his little brother's compatriots, comrades' bodies were on the plane. So August 21, hit pretty close to home to the George household. And my grandson was there and watched our president, our commander-in-chief, instead of saluting, he put his hand on his heart like a civilian would, and he looked at his watch 11 times. I don't care who you voted for, but that's unbelievable disrespect and dishonorable to those fallen. You got somewhere you need to be? Eleven times? You got somewhere you need to be? Now listen to me. We live in a fallen world, and there's a lot of garbage going on right in front of our eyes. And like I said earlier, it's on both sides of the aisle. There's corruption. The swamp is far deeper than most anybody can ever imagine. And the swamp is not just in D.C. It's in OKC as well. It's right over there at that Capitol building as well. It's swampy. It's evil. And that evil goes everywhere. And the only thing that stops the evil are the righteous. Those who know who they are in Christ. For the first time in three years, those two grandsons were able to come together at Christmas and we were all together as a family. And listen to me. They both said, Papa John, your text and your training and your prayers have been felt. For our lives were in danger. Where the fight was so great in the natural, you didn't know how we were going to get out of it. We got out of it. And they know what it's from. They know because they know who they are in Christ. And that's why I remind them of that. That's why I write them. That's why I text them. That's why I speak into their lives. I'm not just the the papa of their parents. I'm their papa. I 
I have a, a responsibility. Well, you're a preacher. No, I'm a man of God and a man of honor. All men of God don't, don't preach. All men of God don't have to be in the ministry. All men of God, we need to stand up and be counted and be who we're supposed to be and stop being conformed to the image of the world and that Hollywood wants us to be and who God made us to be. Hollywood didn't die for you. Hip-hop didn't die for you. Ice-T, Ice-Cube, 50 Cent, all over what, whoever, Mary J. They didn't die for you. They didn't give up their life for you. You're floating their boat. If the church stopped financing worldly entertainment, they'd have to shut down. The church. Now listen to me. We have a lot of African Americans in this room. And a lot of people, well, if those black people would stop doing this and the number one buyers and purchasers of hip hop are not black kids, they're white kids. The number one are white kids. So don't you dare. Make this a race thing. It's a sin thing. We pull up to the gas pump and they're banging their tunes. You know, like we really want to hear that. I was in Minneapolis. It's 12 degrees and you got your door open, banging your tunes. And most people just automatically expect, well, that's a black teenager. That's a black young person in there. No, it's usually a white person right there. And what are they doing? They're trying to identify. Because they don't know who they are. And so they chase all these different identities. Come on, you did it. I did it as a teenager, as young people. We did it too. And that's why you go to school and you're friends with a certain group. And, and, and at one year, and you go to, you know, three months of summer break or less. And you come back to school and you don't even know who that person is anymore. They dress different. They got different friends. They got different music. They got their different hair. They got different makeup. And that's just the guys. They're in an identity crisis. Come on, train your sons and your daughters who they are in Christ. Train them and show them who they are in Christ. It is not the responsibility of the children's workers and the youth workers to be the spiritual parents of your children. It's your responsibility. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your wisdom and counsel. I thank you for this church that you have raised up from the ashes, from chaos, from pain, from hurt, to be built on the word, to be built on the spirit, to be built on truth. And I pray, God, that you continue to raise up people and bring forth people that refuse to compromise, that refuse to live a life 
dictated by the world, but to live a life dictated by the Word. That these men and women would no longer play church, if any of them have. But they would rise up to the place that you've called them to be, that you've made them to be. And they would follow their shepherd to a T. They would follow the word clearly and not allow themselves to be draped and pulled off by the world. But they would fight the good fight of faith. And that they would be the church of Jesus Christ in the last days without spot or blemish or any such thing. That they would be the powerful, glorious church filled with your authority and with your power so we can reach others that do have baggage, that do have problems. In Jesus' name. I'm going to let your pastor close the service. If you need to repent, if you need change in your life, I'm going to let your pastor lead you in that because God has sent him here. Think about it. Think about what he has had to go through to become this shepherd and to become this man of God over all these years. Think about it. It's not some coincidental thing. It's on purpose. God destined this. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just flow with that right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to clear the past. Your mercy is new every morning. We thank you for the opportunity to grow in grace. And God, that you would empower us to be the men, the women that we're supposed to be to have our identity in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we would present ourselves to you, just like your word says, that this would be our worshipful service, according to Romans 12, that we would be not con be conformed to this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is our worshipful service, and we present that to you right now. God, I thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are dealing with us right now. Anything from the past, we're going to place it there right now. In the throne room of mercy. You said to walk in boldly that we may be able to obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. We do that right now. And just as you're in your, your seat, just as an attitude of prayer, you need to declare the past. Go ahead and do that right now between you and Jesus. Clear the past. Take advantage of the opportunity while it's fresh. Take advantage of his scourging and as of his crucifixion. Then pick up on his grace, the power of his resurrection. I just want to give you a minute to do that.
And I pray in the name of Jesus that your identity comes to the surface. Your identity in Jesus Christ, no other, is not only birthed in you, but it's growing in you, and it's taken over all those other things that try to interfere. As you submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, nobody has an excuse that you didn't hear the word today. Praise God forever. By the way, uh, I remember being a little old boy at 9.30 on Saturday nights, laying in the bed, listening to the radio, Gene Autry and Pat Buttram closing out the night. And by the way, did you know why Gene Autry lives in southern Oklahoma? Actually, so he could be on top of Texas. I gave you all, I have my joke for the week. Uh, I gave all of you, or some of you uh, yesterday, a little bit of a pre-notice on it. I'm going to read it right and get it right right now. Yesterday, as I was cooking dinner, my son said, because this really goes along with what he said, someday, someday, I will go to the work, and I help you with groceries, bills, household expenses. It made my eyes start to water. My baby will be 32 next month. <laughs> uh, that was good enough to share the second time, so praise God. Um, it, it's really interesting. I, uh, I did not actually give him a message or hudging on anything, but the Lord was showing me that to say this this morning. Uh, we don't talk a lot about giving around here. Um, I, I felt that uh, it's my responsibility to share it, though, from time to time, as Kelly does such a great job every week. But just to remind you and put it on top or alongside what Brother John just said earlier, and I think this, this is a good illustration. There's about basically three kinds of Christians when it comes to finances. Number one is the takers. They just take and they don't ever put anything in the bucket they don't put anything uh, in in the storehouse they just come back and take and take and you know they don't chip anything in at all then there's contributors a contributor is someone who places money in, in the offering bucket places money on their phone or however they do that they uh, they may give five dollars they may give quite a bit more they may be a tither that's the top of the contributors is doing what the Bible actually says there. But there's also, number three, the investors. And Jesus said, Store, put your storehouse in heaven. And when you are giving offerings, you're putting your storehouse in heaven. You're a contributor. You're not just a taker or even a, contribu uh, even a contributor. You're an investor. When you give offerings, you're an investor. And so what we do, we want to make sure we take care of our uh, guest speakers when they come here, and we have preparation to already do that. We've already have a check written, as a matter of fact, for an honorarium. But at the same time, I want to say this because I will be putting an investment towards that honorarium. And if it should go over the honorarium amount, we're going to give every bit of it to him, okay? 
but I want to invest in him and his ministry by placing an offering into the guest speaker fund. And I just want to invite you to do that. Uh, if it's 50 cents or $50,000, we'll receive it all, okay? So just pray about that. Do what God says to do. And remember that giving should always be out of the cheerfulness of your heart, not compelled but because you love God and you love what he's doing and you love who he sends to us and you love the other things. Some of you are very generous with the mission funds that we have. And we send that much money, that money and, and more. Every, we add to it every month. And it's just the seed that we're sowing. And if you're a, a tither, God bless you. And we budget according to what we believe the tithes are going to be. And we have things set aside for each aspect of it. There's a lease fee to pay here and there are uh, salaries to pay. There's a lot of other things. Brad breaks stuff all the time. We got to buy stuff for him. <laughs> I just pick it on you today because he started it. So uh, all those things play in, into motion here. So uh, you know how we do it. It's on the the information is on the screen. We also have a bucket back there on your way out. There's offering envelopes if you need that for cash or your check. Uh, if you want to give online or uh, text, that's great. Easy way to do it. So take advantage of however God puts it on your heart today, okay? Praise God. Now, be sure and fill out a Connect card. If you're not getting text messages, that's on you, okay? So be sure you, that you give us a Connect card with your name, updated information if you've changed anything, emails, phone uh, messages. We want to text you. Uh, it'll tell you how to do that on there, so be sure and do that. Um, Wednesday night, uh, we're we're having a great time. We've changed Wednesday night service a little bit. It used to we used to call it a meeting. Now we're calling it a service. So we've kind of upped it a little bit. Uh, we're going to meet at six forty-five. We have snacks available. Seven o'clock we start. We're going to do a worship song, and then we're going to do a teaching. And our teaching on Wednesday nights is always something that's uh, a hot button issue or something that's very important uh, in the world around you today as we look at that item or those things through the eyes of the Bible. And last week we started just a two-week thing on worldview. And if you weren't there Wednesday night last week, just be here, be sure there and be there this week because that worldview is a very important teaching. And Pastor John shared today, you know, where's your identity? Well, that's what your worldview is. It's how you see everything. And uh, we're going to have a great teaching and time on that. Then we'll have some Q&A involved with it too. So if you have some questions about worldview, you can ask them at that time. So that's Wednesday nights, 6.45 for snacks, 7 o'clock starting the service. And I, I, I know you'll find it very helpful in your day-to-day -day Christian living. We did do a podcast recording yesterday Pastor John and me, uh, we've started this, and I've mentioned it a couple times before, but we're doing a podcast, okay, on YouTube. Let's talk about it tomorrow. If you search in YouTube, let's talk about it tomorrow. Be sure to put tomorrow on there. If not, you'll get a whole bunch of them. But do that. Go to our podcast page. It's separate from our sermon page. So that will give you an opportunity to hear the podcast. They're around 15 minutes long. We put a new one up every week. He did one yesterday with me. I shot some questions at him. He did, had some great answers on that. And both of them, I think, are about 15 minutes. We're going to do one that will be available uh, starting next Saturday. 
And then we have another one we're going to hold for a couple of weeks. So keep some people interested. Be sure you subscribe and like that because that has a lot to do with the algorithms. That, <laughs> rigums. <laughs> I'm going to go past it. <laughs> that uh, mean how, how often those are going to be pulled up for in front of the eyes of people who haven't seen them before. The more people subscribe, the more people that like, the more people that make comments, you can do that. You can say hi, you can say, what are you talking about? You, whatever it else you want to say on there, <clears throat> of course, sanctified. Um, be sure and do that. Take advantage of it because that helps us raise, uh, raise up our availability and our exposure, and that's what we're trying to do. We want to answer questions to people's lives today be relevant because we have the answers because the Word of God has them there waiting for us to pick up and share with people. And don't, I try not to say don't forget. I don't like that. Be sure you remember that right in front of Cami back there at the back is Pastor John's research, research, <clears throat> resource board. Everybody goes, merch. Y'all know what merch is? Yeah, how many of you? Don't, don't raise your hand if you don't. Merchandise. Resources for good word stuff that will stay with you. Okay, so have a great meal on that, praise God. Would you stand up with me, please? Hallelujah. If you have a need for prayer, there will be people up here at the front to be glad to agree with you in the name of Jesus according to the word of God that you receive what you need today. If you need something sealed, let us know. If you've made Jesus the Lord uh, during the time that uh, we took a while ago, or if you made any kind of a, a, a confession of the past and you need some help with that or agreement with that or a question with that, be sure that you take advantage and come up the front and help uh, have one of the people here assist you and agree with you in prayer. Okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for an awesome time. We thank you for the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ Jesus, ministers of reconciliation, touching the world around us by the demonstration and power of Holy Spirit living in us. For the glory of God and for our fun, we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. See you Wednesday night.